verses 11 through 23. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we, who were the first to set our hope on Christ, might live for the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit, that this is the pledge of our inheritance towards redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love towards all of the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with your eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know that is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put his power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for for the church, which as which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. These are the words of our Lord. Of the dead. And uh, you've probably seen some of these around. And if you're not familiar with the background of uh, the Dia de los Muertos, then um, you probably are wondering why are these people uh, walking around with skulls and um, their uh, faces painted in certain ways. Sometimes you'll see the parades where uh, people will, will dress up as the dead. And in South Texas, where we lived for several years, it was something we would see all over. It was very much the norm. And you could look out in the cemeteries and the different areas and see lots of color, lots of festivities. And I, I always thought, well, the Day of the Dead, that doesn't sound like a day I want to celebrate. Uh, I don't really know what to do on that day. But it is uh, much like uh, our All Saints celebration. It is a way for people in the Latino culture, especially in the Mexican culture, to celebrate those who have passed on, their ancestors. And it's not to make fun of them or to be dark and dreary. It is to celebrate the life that they have and the life that continues on. And the activity... Uh, of the memories and the presence in their own lives of those who have passed on. So it's a special, special time. But it reminds us that we all relate to death differently, don't we? Uh, Some of us are really quiet, and we may not talk about our grief. We may keep it on the inside and just uh, think about our, our sadness and our grief. Or others might talk about it. And that's the way that they are able to get through it, is by sharing with other people. Uh, But we know there is no wrong or right way to grieve. It is just how uh, you process that in your own life. And certainly it is a natural part of what we do as humans. But as as we hear about uh, people who have lost a loved one, and and isn't that interesting we say lost, um, 
and as we'll experience here in just a moment in Scripture, that is, is, is probably not the most accurate description. Uh, because uh, while we think that that person is lost, um, they've been found. They, that God has that person um, within sight and, and within arm's reach. And so that gives us comfort. But we don't always know how to relate to death. And especially uh, Christians don't know how to grieve at times. Uh, we say that we believe in resurrection and we celebrate resurrection at Easter, but we don't necessarily understand what that, that uh, hope looks like that we are to have. And Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, to the Christians who are there experiencing all kinds of problems, they're experiencing death, they're experiencing suffering, uh, they are experiencing the challenges of their poverty and of the oppression of the Romans and, and the, the emperor who is giving them all kinds of trouble for believing in Jesus Christ and, and essentially for not uh, bowing their knee to Caesar. And so as Paul writes to them, it is this lovely letter. And I hope that you'll take some time not just to read these few verses that we have heard here this morning, but to experience the whole letter and the, uh, the wonderful words that Paul gives to uh, the church that is there. As we hear them today, just briefly, we, we can realize there are some realities there that help us in our time of grief. And the first reality that Paul mentions is an inheritance. And if we're going to find hope in, in our grief, and as we consider the death of our loved ones, but also as perhaps we look at our own death and consider that we all will come to that point in our lives when we will die, that there is a reality God has given to us that we can know. And Paul mentions this inheritance. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart, kind of interesting to think about a heart with eyes, but Paul is, is writing in such a, a beautiful way here and, and describing what it means to be enlightened or to have our eyes open. And Paul says, I am writing to you that your, uh, your eyes may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people, or as we heard in our translation today, uh, the saints. This, this great inheritance that you could know about, it is the inheritance that the saints who have gone on before us know now and that we can know today. A lot of times uh, in, in a Protestant church like ours, we we think about saints as being a set group of people. Maybe that the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church would recognize that you have to go through a process, much like Mother Teresa recently went through, this process of canonization or of being recognized as a saint. But as we read here in Paul's words, as he uses the word saint, he uses a, a word that really means holy or one who has been sanctified, one who has been set apart. Paul writes that all of us in Christ are saints. And so you can leave today. Uh, Ray and Nancy, y'all can refer to each other as saints. Saint Ray, Saint Nancy. I encourage you to do that, yes. But we are all, we are all saints in that sense. 
And we can recognize that we all have inheritance. And Paul is saying that they have an inheritance. And again, these are people who are poor, who are regarded as the scum of the earth because they are following this Jesus. And they're a part of this group that is viewed as a a cult. And they are so different from everyone else. They're peculiar. Paul says, don't mind them. Realize that you have an inheritance. And it's, it's one that comes to you because you belong to a family now. I love those words that uh, Olinda was sharing about our church and coming into our church and the way that you uh, welcome people into this church. That we are a family And it is special to feel that family bond, even if you don't feel it in your immediate family, your biological family. You have a spiritual family. And as a part of the family of God, Paul says to them that they have an inheritance. It's an inheritance that was given to them by Jesus, that Jesus has left uh, the riches of, of all of the things that we need in this life and hereafter. It's uh, a lot like uh, if you think about some of these people who have uncles or uh, some unknown rich aunt. These are the people you pray for, right? That uh, it would all of a sudden be discovered that this long-lost relative uh, has left you billions of dollars, and, uh, and, and you could celebrate in, in knowing, wow, I didn't even know that uncle or aunt. And by the way, if this happens to you, we will pass the offering plate again uh, to you. Just lift your hand and we'll bring that by. But of knowing that you have all of this inheritance that you can enjoy right now. As we grieve, as we think about loss, as we think about death, as we miss our loved ones, we can know that they are already enjoying the inheritance, the heavenly blessing of inheritance that God has provided for them. We don't have to to feel sorry for them. We don't have to wonder about them and, and grieve in that kind of way. We can celebrate knowing that they're already enjoying it. And we can also enjoy it for ourselves here, that God wants us to have this rich experience in life where we could understand that that God is our Father. That God is here with us and God gives us the kind of uh, life that we can live even when things are going so wrong in our lives. Again, I think to uh, Olinda's words, how do you make it through a time like this? One day at a time. You just keep on going. Even with missing parts. God has given us a great inheritance and we can remember that. But God has also given us the reality of a promise. And I love the description that's used here about a seal. In Him, you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in Him... You were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance. So Paul says, don't don't worry about the things that are going on in your life. And as you feel all of the pressure and everything happening to you as a church, 
realize that, that God knows who you are. You are not lost in this world. You are not going to go through this life unidentified. You have a mark on you. And it is a seal that has been put upon you. And even if no one else recognizes it, that God recognizes it. And it is a pledge. It's a down payment that one day it's going to be paid in full. Right now you get a part of it. It's a pledge that is promised to you and you're going to get the rest of it. When, when you do go to heaven, but it's something that you can enjoy right now. So you know that had to make the, the church at Ephesus feel encouraged and to know that God loved them and was watching out for them. Uh, I saw on CNN not too long ago, uh, there was uh, a story about King Hezekiah's seal that was discovered in a dump site of all places. This, and I think there's a close-up of it next, uh, this is a 2,700-year-old seal. And as you think about seals that were used, uh, especially by the English monarchy, uh, where they would would take wax and put the the seal of the king on, or the queen of, uh, of their authority on a letter, or on the outside of an envelope, and it would seal it and show that it belonged to the king. And so if somebody went out and was sharing a document or uh, some information and it didn't have the seal, then you would know it was a fraud. It, It wasn't authentic. But if it had the seal, you knew it came from the king. They found this in a dump site somewhere. Imagine finding the king's seal. Uh, that carried the difference between death and life out in a dump. Maybe you feel like you're in a dump today. Maybe the things in life have, have uh, just gotten to the point in your life where you just wonder what else could go wrong. You've ever had a day like that? Like a Monday? <laughs> or a Tuesday this week? Could be. What else could go wrong? And God wants us to know that we are loved and we are chosen and that we are a part of uh, what He has sealed in this world. So when you look in the mirror, I hope that you will see that seal upon you. It is God's promised Holy Spirit that comes upon you. And your loved ones who are with God in heaven, they carry that seal on them. When, they, when it came to that point of death in life, even as tragic as we heard about today uh, in Olinda's family, that they're not lost. They're not in some in-between place. They're not wandering spirits going around uh, like ghosts. They are in the presence of God, and God knew exactly who they were because they carried His seal upon them. And that ought to give us comfort but also we find the reality of power. Paul prayed that their eyes would be opened and enlightened uh, to the fact that they had a power. What is the immeasurable greatness of His power for us who believe according to the working of His great power? And then he says, God put this power to work in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly places. So Paul says the same power that God used to to bring Jesus up from the dead 
is the same power that you have to live out your Christian lives in Ephesus, in your world. And that's amazing. Think about the the power that rolled away the stone and the power that Jesus had as he rose again from the dead. As we think about power in in our lives, we don't always feel that. We, We feel weak. And when someone dies, we feel weakness. That there is a part that is missing, and we carry that with us for the rest of our lives. We carry that loss or that that space in us that that person made in our lives. And as we recognize that with the candles lit today, we wonder, where is the power? There are a lot of different signs of power in our world. Sometimes it's a, a dollar symbol or it's a particular car we drive, or it's a, uh, some kind of status symbol that shows power. Uh, for nations, it is military. It's, it's who has the biggest bombs, and who has the, uh, the greatest uh, amount of soldiers, or whatever. That is the demonstration of power. As we get ready to celebrate communion in just a second, we uh, look at the symbols, uh, the bread and the wine. As Jesus would say, this bread represents my body that is going to be broken for you. And this wine represents blood that's going to be poured out in an execution for you. For the forgiveness of your sins, for your reconciliation, and as a demonstration of God's justice and love. Those are not symbols of power, are they? Isn't that a bit ridiculous? And yet, this is what Jesus says are the symbols of power. The greatest power we'll ever know. I hope that you will understand and that your eyes will be opened and enlightened to the realities of God's eternal love and life. Let us go to him in prayer.